Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and as we do after every single Iowa football game, win or lose, we are joined by former Iowa running back LaShawn Daniels Jr. Before we get into that conversation, because we have a lot to talk about today, it was a very, very rough game watching that yesterday, and I, I think you all can probably agree with that if you watched any of that game. Losing 42-3 to is never exactly a good time before we get to any of that though i want to thank you all for making the lockdown hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day you can find the lockdown hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on youtube monday through friday breaking out everything in the iowa hawkeye world and this episode with LaShawn is brought to you by sonos sonos is the official sponsor of espn college football go to sonos.com to learn more all right LaShawn, uh before we get into the game how are you personally doing today my man I mean, I'm good. I can't complain about too much. I mean, um, I was able to get out here and enjoy Indy um, with Iowa fans before the game, which I think was a good time. And the fact that people still show me love tells me that first thing, I'm not that old. And obviously the Hawkeye support is still great. So uh, we're feeling all right. <laughs> I love it, man. I actually had a couple of buddies text me like, yo, LaShawn's talking right now. I'm like, that's cool, man. LaShawn's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I like LaShawn too. He's 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 dope. <laughs> uh they were they were very excited to hear you uh hear you speak. So I got several text messages uh saying you gave like a speech um at like a pregame festivity and they were they were all very amped up to hear you talk. So I think the, the support yeah. for you is is live and well, man. Hawkeye Nation is is truly amazing. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Um Unfortunately, Hawkeye Nation's fan support and the fact that we travel incredibly well and drink a lot of bush light did not really roll over into the game time festivities. And I want to talk about that today. Um, Iowa losing 42 to 3. When I looked at this game coming into it, I felt like Iowa had to punch Michigan in the mouth early. I felt like you had to get a lead early. Otherwise, bad things could happen. Michigan is a better team. I think we could probably both agree with that even before. We saw the final score. Michigan is a more talented team, and some of the things they did or can do is what Iowa is not good at doing. Um, I thought Iowa came out strong, though. I mean, that 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 first drive stopping Michigan, that we haven't seen them stop an offense on the first drive in quite some time. I mean, this defense loves giving up an opening drive touchdown. I thought Brian Ferentz, I know it was scripted, but called a beautiful first couple of drives. I mean, Iowa was moving the ball well. That that halfback throw to Monty, I mean, what a beautiful play design. I mean, imagine if we hit that. I, I, I guess, what were your thoughts in the first probably eight minutes of the game, uh, Sands-Michigan scoring two ridiculous touchdowns? Um. Well, first, I mean, like, like we get the stop, and then like we drive right, right down the field. Obviously, we got some we got some help on that drive, but yep. you go right down the field, um, you know, get in the red zone, and Brian calls it again. This is a great call. I mean, like at first I saw the toss, I'm like running the toss at a shotgun, and then they see, you know, like we look up, see Monty running down uh the seam. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're gonna score a touchdown right here already. And then 
See, it didn't turn out that way. Then it was a field goal. And then everything kind of just went downhill. Kind and of we missed the field there. goal. Like, yeah. We missed that field goal, and I was like, this is not – this is literally the worst-case scenario of how that first <laughs> drive goes. Like, that honestly to me is almost more deflating than a three and out. Like, mm-hmm. you were so close, and you just don't get it. And then Michigan mm-hmm. comes back. Uh, they put in their, their fast quarterback. They run a night. I mean, they do a nice run play. Just go right past us. We just can't do anything to stop it. Um, yeah. Iowa drives down again. They get a field goal. Great. Uh, and then Michigan has a trick play that's literally the almost the exact same thing as exact ours. Same thing. And we have no one within 20 yards of the guy. I mean, um, it's tough, man. It, it's very tough. Uh, I want to want to get your thoughts from a player perspective. Do you feel like? If Iowa scores that, t- and obviously it's going to be a little different, but if Iowa scores that touchdown, do you feel like the outcome of the game is significantly different? Uh, I mean, obviously how Michigan starts to play, especially in the second half, I mean, Michigan still probably wins that game, but I feel like it's a much closer game Um because, again, you put Michigan on your heels. Like, basically, you let Michigan off the hook on that first drive by not scoring that touchdown um, for like, you let him off the hook for going three and out. Um, you know, you let him off the hook for driving in the red zone, right? Cause you know, if you're playing a good team, especially a team that's going to be ranked number one come this uh, afternoon, um, you can't miss opportunities in the red zone. And we let him off the hook right there. And then, you know, they come right back and then they hit an explosive play, right? Like, that was literally Michigan's best case scenario after um, going three and out on offense. So, you know, momentum is a big, big thing in football and momentum can swing very easily. And after that missed field goal, um, you could kind of feel it kind of go back towards Michigan um, just from the air kind of in the, in the stadium a little bit. Um, And yeah, I mean, it sucks. Right. But, I mean, it is what it is. That's just how football is, and that's how football um, can be at times. And when you miss opportunities like that, um, especially against really, really good football teams, um, you know, it is really hard to come come back. But, yeah, I do agree that the game is definitely different. It's probably much, much closer um, because now you're already down by a touchdown, and now um, Michigan, you're like, okay, well, we have to press a little bit more. you know, because, you know, we were already predicted to win by double digits and now we're down by seven in the first after Iowa's first drive. So it's it's definitely tough. Um, I feel like Iowa came into this game, if I'm going to go to a boxing reference, kind of the the underdog here. And they had to throw the knockout punch in the first quarter and they had mm-hmm. to land that knockout punch to have a chance at winning the game. Not like it was like, I'm going to throw a knockout punch and just get you off your feet and hope I can keep you there until the fourth quarter. And maybe it's a close game and maybe <laughs> anything can happen. Um, they tried that knockout punch and they, they, they didn't land it and mm-hmm. things went very downhill to that. I mean, um, when you look at the game, 42 to three uh, was not indicative of how the entire game went though. I mean, Iowa mm-hmm. was 14, three into the, into the end of the first half, 21 to three going into the fourth quarter. I mean, theoretically, Iowa, still had a chance in this game. Um, did you feel like any of the players in particular were pressing? And I, I have one guy in my head. I just wanted to, to see if you had any any thoughts on any players particularly pressing in this game. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard for me to be able to say 
um, as much because again, I'm, like I was there. Like it's harder um, for me because like you might miss something um, yeah. that kind of ha- happened in like on a play, and like sometimes they actually replays and things like that. Um, so I mean, I'm sure guys were. Um, I know. I mean, just knowing from like the quarterback position, I mean, the guys were trying to make plays as well. But um, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of um, people that were kind of, you know, kind of anxious and trying to press and um, trying to do things kind of outside of their um, their job. But I'm yeah. happy to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Charlie Jones, man. Um, <laughs> Charlie has been a phenomenal return man the entire year and a huge asset to the team. And once Iowa got down, he was just trying to make something out of nothing every time he touched the ball. And I have never seen him run backwards so many times. I cannot imagine he was going back on that sideline and LeVar Woods is like, good job, buddy. I I can only imagine he was getting an earful each time. But the guy was just trying to make anything happen. Um, But it also speaks volumes to this Michigan team. I felt like there was a lot more speed than I had anticipated uh, across the board on offense. I mean, their backup quarterback was outrunning their running back, who was also outrunning our entire defense on that first touchdown run. Um, yeah. Charlie couldn't escape anyone when he got the ball in his hands. It was just – it was rough, man. Um, I do want to yeah. talk a little bit about the quarterbacks because that is going to be a really, really terribly uh, – a terrible conversation that we are going to have to talk about for the next month the next year. I'm not looking forward to a quarterback controversy over the next eight months. It is not going to be an overly fun talk. Before we get to all of that, though, I want to remind all of you college football fanatics out there that Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know that you will, too. Even if I got my butt kicked yesterday with Prize Picks, Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy, and they offer more college football props than anyone in the world. And they offer all the star players, the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Price Picks also offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players, you pick an over-under on their projections, and you can 10x your entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And Price Picks allows you to do mixed sport entries. You can use their award-winning app on the App Store or from Google Play, and entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. All of our listeners today also will get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when they use the promo code Locked On. So don't hesitate. Check out PrizePix.com and use the promo code Locked On, or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. And again, y'all, I want to thank you for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. We're going to be here Monday through Friday, win or lose. We're always covering everything going on in Iowa Hawkeye Nation, even this very very rough weekend where Iowa falls to uh, what's probably going to be the number one ranked team in college basketball and then ultimately falls the number one ranked team in college football. It was not a great weekend in Iowa Hawkeye Nation, but we're covering it all right here. And you can find us by searching Locked On Hawkeyes wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube. LaShawn, uh, quarterbacks, Spencer Petrus. I thought Spencer looked really nice and really good that first quarter. I mean, um, he was mm-hmm. getting out of the pocket a little bit. He was making some really good throws. I liked the fact that he was taking shots as well. Um, he was really keeping Michigan's defense honest. And and that pass interference, I mean, that guy was mugging the heck out of Keegan Johnson as he was going down the field. I, I appreciated that what he was doing at a quarter from a quarterback perspective. After that first quarter, it kind of went downhill from there. 
Iowa makes the change to Alex Padilla. It sounds like there was a torso injury suffered by Spencer at some mm-hmm. point. I honestly thought Spencer might have been concussed from when he got hit and they almost called targeting. Um, what are your thoughts on the quarterback play and ultimately making that move to Alex Padilla? I mean, the gift that keeps giving, right? We never get to not talk about quarterbacks here. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's tough, right? I mean, because, I mean, Spencer's really been the guy for the entire year. Um, and, you know, we started off the first quarter. I mean, I thought, you know, he was doing some great good things. Again, like you said, he was getting the ball out of his hands, taking some shots uh, deep. Granted, we weren't really hitting on them. Um, but then the, kind of the second quarter came, and I felt like we didn't complete a pass. I felt like we literally didn't complete one pass in that second quarter. Um, we were missing – you know, really a, a bunch of easy, easy throws. Again, I was I was never a quarterback, so they're probably not as easy as I think. But I felt <laughs> like they were easy. Uh, if you were but... thinking it, all of Iowa fans are thinking it too, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, like, just based on his play, and if he really was still trying to battle through injury again, granted, I mean, he's a he's a warrior, obviously, right? He's gonna give his all, but you know, you know that he was hurt. Um. I probably would have made the change earlier, just done it at halftime um, instead of waiting um, till basically the fourth quarter practically um, to make that switch. Um, but, you know, really it's – quarterback position is – it's just really in a tough spot right now. It's it, I mean, there's no really other way to, to, yeah. to really put it. I mean, quarterback's in a, in a tough spot right now. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, really – with the past um, few years, besides like last year, we were obviously kind of spoiled having CJ and then, you know, even Nate Stanley, right? I mean, he obviously did a really, really good job at quarterback, even though there are times where people were calling for his head. But like, uh, you know, I felt like those guys, you know, did a really, really good job with the football um, and were able to make make big, big time plays. And I feel like that's just something where we are kind of missing right now. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. Um, I'm sure it's a combination between, you know, play calling and obviously Spencer's injury and then, you know, Alex, not a lot of playing time, but, um, you know, I just feel like the quarterback position is in a really, really tough spot right now. And it's, someone's going to have to take, going to have to take the reins, like, cause you're not going to be able to keep bouncing back and forth between quarterbacks and things like that, because it's just, I don't think running a two quarterback system is really, a productive way to run the offense and, you know, kind of having that revolving door a lot. Um, so it's just something that's going to have to be figured out. Yeah. Unless you're Purdue playing Iowa right after a win over Penn state, having a revolving door at quarterback is not a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Credit to Jeff Brom for making revolving quarterbacks work against Iowa. One of the more obnoxious <laughs> things I've seen in a while. Um, the quarter, yeah, the quarterback position is in a very weird spot. Uh, we're going to be talking about it for the next month. Um, is Spencer in, is Spencer injured or did Alex pass him up? And can either mm-hmm. of these guys take Iowa to the next level? As you kind of mentioned, every Iowa Hawkeye quarterback, it doesn't matter who you are, there were calls to probably bench you at some point. Um, <laughs> CJ got those calls. I'm sure Ricky Sanzi, no one will admit it today, but I'm sure when he was throwing pick six after pick six in the early part of the Indiana game back in like 2009, people were like, get this guy out of here. He's garbage. And then he leads us back for a win. So I mean, people, that's what's going to happen at that quarterback position. Um, 
I have a question for you, and you don't have to answer. I know you obviously still care very deeply about this coaching staff and this program. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think changing offensive coordinators fixes this, or do you think this is always going to be somewhat of an issue under Kirk Ferentz and is amplified because of bad offensive line play and bad quarterback play? Now, that can also be a loaded question. It could be a myriad of factors, but I'm just curious. I mean, people wanted Brian – people are looking for Brian Ferentz's head after scoring three points. Now I could make an argument there that they almost had a touchdown in the red zone. They missed a field goal and they had to go for it on fourth mm-hmm. down against a tough Michigan team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But what are your thoughts on that? I mean, like it's, I feel like it's definitely a great deal. Probably, you know, both sides of that. Right. I mean, um, it's, yeah, it's definitely probably both sides of it. I mean, again, as you've seen, um, the offense, I mean, of style has obviously kind of been the same the entire time since uh, Coach Ferentz has been there. Um, and, you know, it really hasn't, I guess, kind of taken that that next leap, I guess, in the way direction that college football is going. It's still kind of staying like that old school uh, type play, which, I mean, it's perfectly fine. I mean, teams kind of make do make it work. Um, but, um, you know, I just feel like just the way that the game is moving right now, I mean, I feel like there's definitely different ways and probably more effective ways to, uh, you know, get players in better position to succeed, especially knowing um, kind of where our offensive line play was this year and as well as um, um, quarterback play as well. Like, I mean, it's it, it's tough to run um, our style, our true style of offense, you know, when – we can't protect the quarterback, right? And, and we can't run um, outside zone to save our lives, right? Because um, those are really two staple, two big staples of, an off, of our offense, um, helping the quarterback be able to get into his drops, um, block long enough so that the routes can develop. And you can hit those um, intermediate, intermediate throws to convert, you know, some of the longer third downs. And then, you know, again, outside zone is literally one of our staple plays, really like the second play we put in when we install, right? And when we can't run those um, and, you know, the creativity that we have in, when we are calling plays, even whether it was with um, Brian, whether it was with uh, Coach Davis, and, you know, we're not diving deep into the playbook besides of, you know, our prescripted plays, um, then, like, issues arise, right, when we are in these battles like that. Um, because then it just feels like everything gets stagnant and then it kind of snowballs effect, right? I mean, a lot of times we were able to prevent a lot of damage, you know, through the defense and, you know, end up getting enough points to either keep it close or win the ball game. But when you go in against a team like that, that can create an explosive play basically any single time they're on the football field. And then you couple that with, um, you know, a stagnant offense that is, you know, at the bottom part of the Big Ten, it's just just all all a bad combination. So it's a combination, I feel like, of a lot of different areas of the offense right now. Yeah, I feel like our the football team, Iowa football team at least, is kind of in like a bend but don't break stance of we can bend for most teams, but against good teams we break. Like you're good enough to get there, but I don't think with this offense you're good enough to take that next step and win a yeah. Big Ten title. I just don't think mm-hmm. – it's going to happen anytime soon unless you have phenomenal offensive line play 
and mm-hmm. average to above average quarterback play, then you have yep. enough to do some things. Like you look at the Michigan mm-hmm. State game, uh, Iowa versus Michigan State in 2015, we had the ability to make big plays. There's a reason why yeah. people are looking at that Tavon Smith touchdown on replay for all yep. of time. We don't see that happen. That I mean, we saw Spencer versus Nico, but holy crap, what a that was a once in the season type play call yeah. that Iowa hit perfectly at the right time, but we don't have that happening on a consistent basis. It's just not something that's yeah. been happening. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about offensive line play because I have a couple of interesting stats, and I also want to get your opinion uh, due to the fact that, obviously, you've seen James's development as well, and he was a young offensive lineman in this Iowa Hawkeye offense. Before we get to all of that, though, I hope you did not take my betting advice on this game. I said hammer the spread. I thought there was no way – Iowa comes out and crafts the bet the way they did. I hope you all know I lost just as much money as you did at betonline.ag, but that is not always the case. You can win a ton of money at betonline.ag because they have more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march the playoffs, we got bowl season right ahead of us. You can place all of your bets at betonline.ag. So head over to their new updated desktop and mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar yet, what are you waiting for? I don't know how much I could empathize or empathize, empathize. Wow, I'm not even saying these words right. How good a Built Bar is. It truly tastes like a candy bar. It's filled with holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, and covered in 100% chocolate. And it's amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, plus it's high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. I know it's holiday season. People are making cookies all the time. People are making all sorts of sweet desserts. You got grandma's cooking, which is probably terrible for you, if we're being completely honest. Probably uses real, actual fat in it, which is unheard of these days well you can still get that delicious flavor while being a little bit healthy by grabbing yourself a built bar plus they have so many new flavors coming out every single day make sure to check out builtbar.com plus they have built bar puffs which is kind of like this marshmallow-ish flavor inside and oh my gosh truly delicious so if you go to built.com right now that's b-u-i-l-t.com use the promo code locked 15 that's l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 you'll get 15 percent off your next order that's built.com promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order all right blocking you talked about it it was tough the tackles could not set the edge what i saw what i thought was interesting was iowa at certain times just felt like they knew they were not going to stop Aiden Hutchinson in this game. I have not seen a tackle chop block facing forward a defensive and just chop block and say, screw it. We're going to put him on his feet and not even try to block him more than I saw in this game against Aiden Hutchinson. And we even got called for a tripping penalty on it because we just did such a poor job of doing that. I mean, um, it was it was, it was was wild to me when I looked at – the, the PFF grades of this, and we break down PFF grades uh, every Tuesday because it's fun to do. You can put some context behind some of the numbers. Um, what's interesting coming into this game, Aiden Hutchinson is a guy who could be a number one overall pick. On the other side of him, David Ojibo is a guy who could be a first-round pick. Jack Plum had a horrendous day going up against Aiden Hutchinson, had a zero pass-blocking grade, allowed four of Iowa's eight pressures, Mason Richmond, on the other hand, 
a, a redshirt freshman put together a very nice pass blocking day. One of the best on Iowa held David Ojibo to a 59.9 pass rushing grade with one pressure. Um, my question to you is this line we've talked about the whole year, how young it is. We have a true freshman at Con- Connor Colby at guard. We have Mason Richmond, a redshirt freshman, Jack Plum. He's not a young guy. This one. I'm not giving him a pass there. He's been in the system for a while. Now, granted, he came as a tight end, but we've seen Robert Gallery come in as a tight end. We've seen other guys come in as tight ends play well. Um, this is a very long-winded backstory to this. You <laughs> saw James Daniels, uh, obviously, come in. He played early on as a guard and center for Iowa as a true freshman. What kind of growth can you make from a true freshman to your true sophomore to your true junior? Is there excitement in the air for the fact that Iowa does have a young offensive line that could get better? Or is this an issue we're going to see next year potentially? Um, well, you know, obviously been uh, going, I mean, depending upon what Tyler decides to do, um, if he decides to stay or leave, obviously that's going to be uh <laughs> big, big <laughs> uh, indicator, right, for how the offensive line is going to be able to be next year. But, I mean, you know, a lot of times offensive linemen take pretty, pretty big, big jumps from um, when they're uh, true freshmen to their second and third years um, in comparison to where they were at freshmen, right? They make, they make huge jumps because, right, you get into, um, you know, through a full full off season program, you go. Obviously, you've already had a season under you now. Then you get into um, winter uh, strength conditioning. You go through spring ball. You go through summer conditioning. Then you go through camp again. And there's a lot of time and a lot of development that happens there. Um, and you know, all freshmen are going to have like a game where they just kind of just. Uh, get put in this position where they just are in a tough spot and just keep getting and losing and losing and losing. And eventually, um, you know, if they keep working, get better, like they get over that. Like, well, in 2015, um, when James was a freshman, I remember we had like two of our tackles got hurt um, and we were playing Illinois and then they throw James at like right tackle and he had to go against, uh, what was his name? Something like Smoot or whatever. And he got drafted, that guy got drafted in like the third round. And again, James had a tough time walking him, right? It's a lot of those things, um, growing pains that kind of happen, you know, with freshmen, you get put out there against good players. Um, but, you know, the best players are going to continue to, um, you know, obviously use that as an experience and use that opportunity to learn from and be like, okay, how can I get better now? How can I get stronger? Um, how can I get quicker? Uh, how can I just be an overall better offensive lineman? And knowing how, um, Coach Ferentz's development with offensive linemen and strength staff development of offensive linemen has been over time. I mean, usually it's going to be good things, especially if you've been playing early because then you have that additional experience. So I definitely think there's going to be good things to come, um, you know, moving forward here um, for for a couple of those young guys playing. But, you know, obviously trying to replace uh, some of these upperclassmen, you know, if they decide to leave is going to be, um, you know, a tough uh, position to be in for sure. Yeah. I think uh Hawkeye nation collectively is holding their breath thinking is Tyler Linderbaum coming back or not? <laughs> because he by all measures should leave. Right. I mean, yeah. this guy has yeah. A, yeah. Couple, a, a bunch of money on the table. He is going to be a top 15 pick. 
He's done everything he can do at the collegiate level. But if that poll, I guess, is pulling you back to Iowa and you really want to go, <laughs> we'll welcome you back with open arms, buddy. But, like, I would not be – I mean, I would completely understand if he leaves. Uh, it, yeah. it makes sense. I just don't he see should him leave. back. Yeah, like, he yeah. should go. He should um, leave. But reports say he's, he might not. And that's bizarre to me. I mean, I guess the, it kind of happened with TJ Hawkinson. But TJ finally woke up and realized, yo – this is a lot of money on the table. Yeah. I got to go get it. I got to go get mine, yeah. which is what you're – yes, you love Iowa, but you got to go get yours at a certain point. Um, otherwise, what are, what are you doing, right? So uh, if Tyler Linderbaum comes back, it'll definitely make this offensive line uh, at least be as good, if not better. Uh, if he doesn't come back, I'm a little worried uh, mm-hmm. without the creativity we have on offense coming into the season. What is Iowa going to do? We're no longer going to have that big push up front. Um, like we've had for the last six years. I mean, it, it went from James right to uh, Tyler, if I remember correctly. I don't think there was a center in between. Yeah, I think was, so. Yeah, so you, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah. We, that's six years of dominant center play. That's not normal in in college football. So uh, I know there's and a couple. Even, Michael, was there I, mean, I was going to say even even before Austin Blythe was there. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, another good, really good football player. Yeah, right? I mean. <laughs> He's an NFL guy. I mean, yeah, like, he's still in the NFL. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's It'll be interesting. Like, we have Michael Mislinski, who is uh, his dad. Uh, I think he was a strength and conditioning coach for the Jaguars. He does something for the Jags he used to. Um, he's a, a guy to watch out for next year at the center position. We could see some guys slide around. But um, regardless, it, you don't replace – you don't hit gold twice. You're not the Green Bay Packers. Iowa hit gold three times at center position. It just doesn't happen like that on a normal basis. That'll be really interesting to see. Um, I want to talk about Iowa and the Citrus Bowl for a second. But before I get to that, I looked up your brother on uh, the Chicago Bears profile. I just want to see uh, how big he was now. Six foot four, sounds like 327 pounds. You're his older brother. Who wins in a wrestling match? Is it you or James? I still win. I still win. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, let's know that I still win. Let's know that I still win. Okay. <laughs> you know that there's no there's nah nah he might be bigger or whatever but i think i'm probably still i'm honestly probably still stronger to be quite honest he um so yeah i definitely i definitely got him all right <laughs> and who wins out of you uh are you and your dad if you and your dad were to wrestle dad maybe maybe a little bit younger version of your dad like 45 i'm still taking me <laughs> i'm still taking me i'm still taking me no, dad was really, really strong uh, in college. Um, I know that he had set, like, some weightlifting records when he was at Ohio State, I believe. So, like, um, I know he was a strong guy um, coming out of school, but I still take me. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Um, all right. So, the last thing I want to call for the game is I thought the defense did play really well for the first three quarters. I mean, rushing – I mean, if you look at the, the pure statistics, this team – did a pretty good job of holding their own against Michigan. Um, outside of outside of the the, explo- the explosive play, I mean, they were holding. They held Blake Corum to seventy four yards. Sixty seven of that came on one rush. They held Hassan Haskins, who is an All Big Ten running back, to three point three yards per carry. Uh, Chase McNamara had only one hundred and sixty nine yards to throw. I mean, like they did a pretty good job ultimately, all things considered, from the defensive perspective. They got put in some bad positions. Then they kept, you know, getting. Michigan kept getting the ball in, in good field position. Uh, they, they couldn't hold up forever, but I thought the defense held strong. Um, there was one thing I wanted to call in particular. There was a rushing play 
And Riley Moss is about to get just annihilated by the offensive lineman. Somehow dipped under him, got his hands on Hassan Haskins and took him down for no gain. That was one of the most impressive tackles I've seen from a cornerback in quite some time. Um, before we move on to the Citrus Bowl, anything you want to say on the defense? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you let up explosive plays um, on the defensive end, um, you know, it's hard uh, to combat that um, because, again, like the offense stays fresh. Um, you know, they hit a play, and next thing you know, they're up by seven. And then next thing you know, they hit another one, and, like, the game kind of get away from me quickly. But I felt like, you know, really kind of after those two explosives, they kind of buckled down for mm-hmm. quite a bit, quite a long yeah. while, right? And um, I'm sure they probably felt like the pressure just building, building each drive after – you know, offense couldn't produce anything. Um, but, you know, I feel like they did a good job. But then, you know, obviously we get into the fourth quarter and um, they kind of just, you know, broke it open. You, know, you couldn't set in, you couldn't set any more edges. Um, we're letting up big plays now. And, you know, they are making some phenomenal catches like that. One-handed yeah. one down in R and some of What are you going to do about that? Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> but, I believe I mean, Dane Belton was covering him. And, like, he had perfect coverage. <laughs> Yeah, a ridiculous catch. I mean, but all things considered, um, I felt like the defense did a relatively good job. It's just when you let up the plays like that, I mean, it's it's just tough to, to come back from. It's backbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. So Iowa had a chance at the Rose Bowl. I mean, they win this game, they're going to the Rose Bowl. They lose this game, they're more than likely going to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, we're going to find out today. So anyone who's listening to this on Sunday, uh, we're going to find out today where Iowa is going to the bowl. Um, what are your thoughts on the Citrus Bowl? What does Iowa need to do? And to finish off the season, I'm, I mean, we got to get a W there, right? Is there any, any thoughts mm-hmm. on how you prep for the Citrus Bowl and what these players need to be doing to get better over the next 15 practices? Um, well, first off, we got to get guys. Um, some guys that have been playing a lot of football, this is really I think, their time to um, get healthier and, um, you know, take care of any injuries or any ailments that have been kind of lingering um, from the season. And this Can is I stop a- you there real quick? How much does yes. Iowa hide some of that? Like, And I say hide, I mean, like, I think Iowa fans realize what players are going through, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're out and they're like, that guy wasn't hurt. I mean, like, yeah. how much of that is – like? How much of that do people not even realize is happening in a, in a, yeah. during a season? I mean, it happens quite a bit. I mean, it happens. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a great number of guys that, right, if this was the NFL, right, probably have a long injury list report, right, of guys that would have been listed as questionable, doubtful, and all that jazz. But, you know, because you're not required to do that in the NCAA yeah. and Big Ten, um, you know, you don't really know. And, yeah, I mean, there's guys going through a whole bunch of things. I mean, you will go through the training room. Um, during times when there's no meetings in practice. I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys in there um, getting treatment on a number of different things. And then, um, you know, if today was a normal day, so, for example, if today wasn't – if yesterday wasn't the Big Ten Championship game, if it was regular season, right, they would have had guys that had to go in early, right, to get treatment and get looked at by the doctors and all these different things. And there's usually always a good amount of people in there as well. So, like, there's always um, things – and and injuries and little ailment things that guys are going through um, throughout the season that really kind of gets hidden if, because if, if, you know, it's not necessary for people to know, right, they're just, they're just not going to know it. 
right? So, uh, yeah, a lot of it goes on, um, and you know, you want to keep a lot of that stuff um, secret, especially if you can play, because you know why? Why even bother letting letting other people know? So, do uh, do other teams target players in that regard? Like, if for example, let's say you have, let's say you you hurt your wrist or whatever. This is a bad example. Let's <laughs> say you hurt your wrist. Do teams intentionally try to hit you on your wrist? Or find ways to kind of, uh, if they know about it? Yeah, I don't know if they do intentionally. I mean, it may feel it may feel that way um, yeah. just because, like, it, like, like you hit that me. body part hurts. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. body part hurts, and you're like, ah, oh, the dude was telling me. But, I mean, I don't necessarily think that they do. Um, they could. Again, I don't play defense, um, but uh, they could do it. But for the most part, I think a lot of it just ends up coming just from the repeated hits that you take and then, uh, you know, feeling the, the effects of your injury. So Makes sense. Um, I was asking about the Citrus Bowl and I cut you off, but I actually mm-hmm. want to switch gears on the question. Um, mm-hmm. If Iowa wins the Citrus Bowl, do you feel like this season was a success? I mean, anytime you can um, – first of all, anytime you can win double-digit um, wins is fantastic, right? I mean, it's not easy to do. Um, and, you know, to add another win to that win column and be in 11, 11 wins, again, there's only been a few teams in yeah. the KF era to win 11 games. So to be able to do that um, would make the season, obviously, um, you know, really good. And even if we lose the game, right, the season was still really good, right? I mean, you still had a lot of, a lot of highs um, throughout the season, but, you know, as football is, there's going to be some lows as well, and there were, um, you know, unless you obviously just go uh, 15 and 0 and you know win yeah. a national title, right? So um, I feel like the season is definitely a success anytime you can win double digit double digit games because again, it's hard to do. Iowa's the only team on the West to win 10 games, um, and uh, going into Citrus Bowl again, you have an opportunity to get number 11. And again, going to go against another probably really, really good football team. Um, so there's going to be things that are going to have to get cleaned up, um, things that are going to have to get shirt up um, for us to go up there and be able to win. But, you know, we can wait with the win there again. It'll just add on to um, just another another good Iowa football season. Absolutely. We're going to go up against an SEC team. It'll be really interesting uh, which SEC team we get. Uh, I know obviously the SEC likes to think they are the best conference in the world. And uh, it can be very obnoxious. And we're going to see two SEC teams probably in the college ball playoff, which is also going to be quite annoying as well. But uh, I digress a little bit. Um, My last question to you, man, is do you feel like this team overachieved more this year than most KF teams do? I mean, anytime you talk about an Iowa football team, they do the little things, right? Like they're doing the things that don't show up that people aren't really thinking, wow, that's pretty. Wow, it seems like not a lot of KF teams come in. People are like, that's a Big Ten champion team, uh, especially this year. I don't think people thought this was going to be a Big Ten champion team. So do you feel like KF and this team overachieved more than most years in this year? Um, you know, see, I was actually uh, thinking other elsewhere, right? I kind of thought we were going to be around 10 wins this year. I mean, I knew that we okay. had in a good football team, um, but I thought, the biggest thing I thought the offense was going to be a lot better than really what it was. I think that's really been, the, I guess, the biggest disappointing part of the year. Granted, again, 10, 10 wins is really, really good. 
and the offense and the special teams for the most part has been really, really good. But, um, you know, I thought the run game was going to be a lot better, you know, especially with um, Lynn Ron and Goodson, right? I mean, I just felt like our run game was going to be um, better than what it was. So I guess in that area, I felt like it wasn't as good. But as far as like overall performance, um, you know, I definitely, we're not going to say that they overachieved, but kind of were expected to be where I thought they were going to be, um, you know, especially knowing that how strong the defense in the back end um, was going to be. Um, and obviously they were able to provide a big, big spark for a good, good portion of the year. Um, but I wouldn't say that they necessarily overachieved, I guess, in, in my eyes. Um, yeah. that's just kind of how I felt. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a great perspective on it. I also, I had Iowa at nine wins. Um, I think if you would ask me before the season had, if I was, if you know, I thought I was going to go to the big 10 championship game, I probably would have said no. Um, mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, I had them at nine wins. This one win above that. That's not that significantly different. I did think the mm-hmm. defense was going to be really good. Um, I thought if the offense could be just adequate, yeah. We could we could win some games and you know what? In some cases the offense was adequate when we won and when we didn't win mm-hmm. the offense was uh garbage dumpster fire atrocious. So, uh it's been it's been a weird season, man. Um and I've enjoyed all of our conversations. I've enjoyed learning from you about the game, uh learning from you about Iowa football and excited to do it more when uh mm-hmm. when Iowa plays in what is more than likely the Citrus Bowl. Um any last words or thoughts on this game or the regular season for Iowa football? No, man, just, uh, you know, obviously congratulate the boys for having a, a great year so far. And, um, you know, obviously the season's not over yet. Uh, obviously this one stings. Um, it's going to hurt me getting beat down like that is <laughs> never fun. Um, so, you know, obviously it's going to sting for a while because, again, you're not going to play for a while. Um, but, you know, guys will get over it. Um, there are some good things that, you, that they can look back on um, from the season um, that they can enjoy. And then, um, you know, when they do get back on the practice field and, you know, get past, really get past finals week and everything and get back rolling and get ready to take uh, take another opportunity that you get um, in the bowl game um, should be fun. But, you know, definitely want to congratulate the guys. Um, a 10-win season so far is, is really, really good. Um, it's very hard to do in college football. So, uh yeah, that's kind of really – that's really pretty much it. And um, as always, guys, go Hawks. I love it, man. Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that. Uh, excited to talk more Iowa football with you after that game. Uh, excited to see the development of these guys. And I think trying to get slowly excited for next year as well. It's always – next year is always right around the corner, this Iowa football <laughs> team, depending on who comes back. I mean, this could be a team that is, is set to contend for years to come. They've had some really good recruiting classes coming in as well. Um, I, I think – when you look at this game, it leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Maybe that's enough to convince a few guys to come back. Maybe Riley Moss wants to get his PCL healthy and and maybe decides to come back. That would be wild if he did. I would be very excited. Um, but lots, lots of things are going to happen over the next next month and next couple months uh, that's going to really change the direction of the Iowa football team. So more to come on all that. Uh, LaShawn, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, always enjoyed your insight. Hawkeye Nation, appreciate you tuning in every single uh post game recap it has been 
an absolute blast. Uh, we're going to start focusing a little bit more on basketball now and then doing some football before we get to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but as always, you can find us Monday through Friday wherever you get podcast at. Hawkeye Nation, thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic Sunday and even better week. And as always, let's go Hawks.